So this morning, I, I am going to uh, just spend a few minutes and, and just talk to you about, really just talk to the men. Uh, would, would all the fathers stand for me this morning? Just stay standing. I just want to prophesy right now that, Father, you are raising up godly men in this house, that you're teaching us your ways. Father, we can rely on you, that you've set the example of who we're to be. And I'm looking around the room, Father, and I'm so thankful to watch all of these fathers coming up. And regardless of their father's situation, they're, they're good fathers. They're interacting with their children. They're loving their families. They're taking care of things. And Lord, I just declare over this house that this will be a house where fathers will come from. It'll be a full house of fathers, an example, a shining beacon to this city and to this world that fathers and the family are still valued in this city, in this house, in this world, and in your family. And we praise them. We praise you, Lord. We, we thank you for them in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, on, a, on our special day of celebrating the fathers, I just want to share a few uh, thoughts and some experiences that I've had um, along the way, and um, really about becoming a father of the heart, not the head or the hand only. And when I started out my journey uh, as a father, I didn't know much about fathering, uh, 21 years old. Uh, Got married a couple years later, had a baby, and, and just started on this thing called fathering. And the example that I'd had uh, from a good father, a hardworking father, was to take care of your family, take care of your business, make sure that there's always provision in your house. And that, that grid that I came from said that if I tell my kids the do's and don'ts, and I work with them through that, I discipline as necessary to make sure the do's and don'ts get done. And if I provide for them, I fulfill my mission as a good father. Over the, over the years, I've realized that fathers are there for a lot more than that. And my hardworking father that spent, you know, all day long working with a shovel to come home and work until 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night sometimes in the fields, taking care of cattle and all the other livestock and working beside us every day. He really did his very best to make sure that we had what we needed. In other words, the basics of food and shelter and clothing. And what we're learning, though, is that and what I've picked up over the years is that there's much more necessary things than just food and shelter and clothing that are required of us as fathers if we're going to be the kind of fathers I just prophesied. Fathers are those who set the identity in place for their children. The identity of speaking the identity over our children, telling them who they are so that when the Storms of life come, they know how to act and what to do. See, to be a good son, you need to be fathered. You need to tuck under your father. You need to learn from your father. And to be a good father, we need to be intimate with our children. How does that happen? Only one way. 
In order for fathers to be intimate with their children, they have to be intimate with the father. They have to be intimate with the father. And men, it's not easy for us. Men are not like that naturally, or are we? If you think about it, we actually had a great example of being fathered in intimacy right at the beginning with Adam. He said that Adam and God walked in the cool of the day together. They, were, they weren't just walking along saying, hey, what up? But, you know, wanna... They were going deep with one another, looking at this marvelous new thing God had dreamed and, and made happen by his words. There's no telling the depth of those conversations as a father talked to a son that he loved. It's an amazing thing, really, that we've come so far, yet we have to come a long way in order to get this family train back on the track. <clears throat> As fathers, when we release the identity over our children and we tell them who they are, it strengthens them in their inner man. It lets them know how to act and what to do for their own families. And for many years, my story is that having a performance-oriented father like mine, just trying to literally put food on the table, I found myself going into the same pattern without new knowledge. That it wasn't until I came into a different place with the Father God that I really realized that I had a lot of shortcomings as a father my, on my own. I love my children. And my experience of loving my children, my demonstration of that was you have everything. You have food and shelter and clothing, the nicest toys. You have everything. What I've done my job. What are you talking? That's really the way I just didn't know. But I would tell you, uh, I know that uh, my daughter's here, Brecca is here. Yeah, thank you. But I, but I know that if you ask my children today, that they would tell you that once I had the revelation of the father, I became a better dad. Is that right, honey? That, let's put it this way, we live in the Facebook age, don't we? I mean, every day, uh, at some point, I, I just turn on Facebook just to see what Bryson posted because I want to be like him, <laughs> you know? Come on now. And then, obviously, you can't stop with Bryson's cool stuff because, I mean, that was good enough, but then Anne-Marie's funny little quips that she puts on there. Come on. Look, I, you may not like Facebook. I, I've heard it preach, you know, turn all that stuff off. But I will tell you this, Facebook rocks. But we, you know, I came from an age when we didn't have Facebook. I came from an age that if we had had Facebook, my Facebook page would have said, before the revelation of the Father, it would have had a picture of my boat, my new home, a vacation we're taking, my swimming pool, a promotion I got at work. It would have all been about, I performed up to a level and I'm good enough now. Maybe some of you can relate to that. Maybe some of you feel like that you have to perform and work and put on a show like a poodle for the Father to really love you. It's not true. He didn't make you to perform like a poodle. He made poodles for that. 
<laughs> the Father made you for Him. Intimacy with the Father is the whole big deal. And I still have to tell myself that over and over again. Coming from a grid of anything else, as a performance son like me, I still have to guard myself to only feel good when I'm hitting the ball right, when I do it right. I still see the wrinkled brow of my father when I mess up. I still feel it. Maybe you have to war against things like that in your own hearts. See, there were, there were two sisters, Mary and Martha. Martha was busy being like me, working kind of taking care of everything around there, making sure it was lovely for everyone else. There's Mary, sitting over there at Jesus' feet. Jesus, would you ask her to please come help me out in the kitchen? We've got people coming over. It's not going to be long, and she's just sitting there. She's not doing a thing. Martha, Martha. Mary's chosen the very best thing, and it won't be taken from her. And it won't be taken from you. See, what we really need to do is we need to really accept the good news. It's easy for us to take the Word of God and pick out everything that could hurt us or everything that is condemning or everything that's straightening us out where we've fallen short, isn't it? I have no problem with people say, yes, I'm a sinner and I did this and that and the other thing. But believing the good stuff too... It's what's really going to deliver us out of this orphan mentality, this poverty spirit that so much of the church is under. I believe that we need to start giving ourselves permission to believe the Father when He says, you're lovely, you're lovely, you're beautiful, you're wonderful. I made you exactly the way I wanted to make you. There's none like you on purpose. Probably none ever done that before. There's none like you. See, he could have made, you know, hundreds of thousands of us at once, just alike, when the way he chose to do it. Why not? I don't know. He's God. But he decided to make every one of you unique and indispensable to his kingdom. It's his desire that not one would perish, but every one would be indispensable, not only to God, but to each other. So what do we need to do? We need to listen to him. We need to spend time in devotion with him. We need to realize the great gift that Christ gave us by dying, letting his body go to the cross. The cross is where it happened. He said he, he destroyed that enmity between us and God. He destroyed the veil. He cut the veil so that we have direct access to our Father and cry out, Abba, Father. We don't need to go anywhere to see anyone, to go in a booth. We don't need to do anything to say, Abba, Father. Just repeat that with me. Abba, Father. He hears us. We have direct access to the work of Jesus. Well, before I was saved, I... And even in the first part of my journey, I saw God more as a taskmaster, more of one that uh, I was doing things for 
and that type of thing. And now I see him differently. I see him as a loving father, and I desire time with him. They still need more. One of the ways that I uh, can really get in close contact with the Lord and feel the Father's presence is what we did this morning through worshiping Him, through having an experience, a musical experience that opens my heart and my tear ducts at the same time. If, if you struggle with this, if you struggle with just sitting before the Lord, I, I just think, I just want to really encourage you to set before the Lord. Do it scared. Do it scared for a while. Set before the Lord until it comes, until he comes, which is our journey. Tracy and I, uh, many of you with us, set before the Lord. It seemed like on those three-hour prayer sets, sometimes it was two hours plus before we ever really encountered that, that feeling of the Lord's presence and the Father's acceptance of us. But it was funny because every time that came, I, I can't think of one exception that as one would then begin to speak a prayer, because we just sat there listening, but as one began to speak a prayer, every single person in that prayer room was on the same page and it was hearing the same thing. Guys, it's real. There is a loving Father in heaven that loves you. And it's like this... this, this um, double-mindedness sometimes because if we really believe that, wouldn't we act like we really believe that? We're almost like we have a double-mindedness, and I'm here to destroy that today. I just want to pray right now. Let's just close, close our eyes and bow our heads, and let's pray and ask the Lord. Lord, we pray for a single-mindedness, for a, for a mind that only believes what your Word says, that has been revealed to us in your Word, in your Son and His demonstration as He walked the earth, and in your Holy Spirit that lives in our hearts today, that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God, and that there is nothing between us but love. And Lord, we accept your love today, and we pray these things in your precious Son, Jesus' name. Amen. We hear a lot of talk about the orphan spirit. And the orphan spirit has nothing to do with whether you, or doesn't have to have anything to do with whether you were, had parents at home or not. The orphan spirit is, uh, is just that. It's a spirit of not, not having acceptance. Uh, orphans feel distant, um, unsafe. It's hard for orphans to trust orphan-spirited people. Orphans, it's easy for orphans to rebel against authority. And feeling unaccepted, the rebellion can happen easily. And they try to earn love through performance, which is the, one I, the path I went down today, which is my story. Orphans can be self-focused. Hard to feel accepted, loved. They feel rejected. And the big one seems like for this generation I hear more than anything, especially by us Christians, is a lot of times the orphan-spirited Christian or non-believer will say, I feel judged. And that one's, that one's kind of the popular one that the enemy's using today. The Bible story about the orphan spirit, probably one of the best ones, is the prodigal son story. 
where you had a prodigal son that was acting out of the orphan spirit who said, I want my inheritance now. Instead of waiting for the timing of the father, trusting his father to know the best things, depending and relying on his father's years and his wisdom, he wants his inheritance today. Just give me mine. I'm going to go and do my own thing. We have that orphan spirit in the church. There's a church on every corner because we can't tuck under the Father and go with His plan, and we can't tuck under the Father and serve His ministry. We want to do our own thing. And in fact, are there as many churches as there are people? I almost want to say uh, that it's time for us to come together, unite under the Word of God, and serve another man's ministry. I've been serving another man's ministry ever since I got into this thing. Really have. It's the best way. Now, obviously, the Lord has raised up some to be preachers and teachers and pastors and all the rest. And so it takes all of us to do it. But I want to say that there, I really believe that this running from church to church to church, is, this is not a call to stay at our church. I really believe you need to get somewhere where you can grow, get planted, and make a, a future there with those that you run with. And I'm proud that we're running with people that we've been running with 10, 15 years. The first time I ever met Glenda Wakeman, she was actually at, a, at the first time I ever went to the first life group I ever went to. And she was crying on the floor getting delivered. And... Uh, <laughs> And sorry, Glenda, but I know her well enough to say this, and she's proud of that. And, and we were amazed at how much after that uh, we met her that evening that we said, I told my wife on the way home, I said, Tracy, I love her. And I always have, Glenda. From that minute when we got real and the love of the Father came and ministered to you, and we were part of that, we've been best friends ever since. And we've helped ourselves We've helped one another throughout the years, haven't we, honey? It's, it's interesting when you run with people a long time, when you have a history. So I want to make that call uh, today. Get planted somewhere. Stay there and make a difference where you are. There's plenty to criticize. We're not all perfect. That's where we need each other. We need to rub each other the, the wrong way and through love help one another because it takes us all to make it work. Can I get an amen? Somebody, you're looking serious. Prodigal son won. He wanted to go out, squandered his fortune. But the father, what did he do? No, no. Say 45 Hail Marys and you can't come home for three weeks. And by the way, take a bath. No. He ran to him on the road. No telling what that guy looked like. It was a bad hangover. But he ran to him on the road and loved him. Prodigal son number two, of course, is the good son. Or is he? He did everything he was supposed to do. By the letter of the law, there wasn't one thing he didn't do. Took care of that farm, worked every day, did everything he was supposed to do. There when he was supposed to. He never left. He never ran off. But what were his motivations? Performance-oriented. Didn't do it for the love that was to come. He did it so his brother wouldn't excel him. Orphan spirit, just like the other one in a different way. So we can act out in a lot of ways in the orphan spirit. 
But here's the thing, you know, the Lord, he knows all these things. He knew that the enemy would have this kind of um, weapon of warfare against us. You think he didn't make provisions for this? What are the provisions? God is wanting to raise up people who will seek the Father, learn how he does it, and become like him. And he wants to do that in this house, in these fathers, young and old alike. And he wants to deliver us from the pain and the suffering we've had from fathers that didn't get this. He wants us to be free because of that's what happened to me. I would never want that going forward because that bad thing happened to me. There's no way I'm raising my children with that bad thing. I'm going to get delivered and free and come into the kingdom, and I'm going to do it God's way so that my son and daughter will have it a better way. And I'm seeing that in these fathers. Look at the fathers across this house. The families that are raising up these children, you know what I'm noticing, maybe you've noticed it too, that they're not coming at this thing as an orphan father. They're coming at this thing, spending time with their kids, nurturing their kids, loving their kids. Look at their Facebook post and you will see that it's all about their kids. (laughs) And not just that, about their grandkids, folks. I was looking at my Facebook page yesterday, and I noticed there wasn't a boat, a new house, there wasn't anything about a vacation, and I didn't get a promotion that I was letting everybody know how great I am. Every picture on my Facebook was about my grandchildren or one of you guys or my children. And I will tell you, my heart is more full today than it ever was with the temporal things of this world. And you want to know something else? The Lord's given me more and more of the temporal things of this world. He's given me more and more of the temporal things of this world. We have a beautiful home. The Lord's blessed us with things. He's he's brought us into a wonderful place in business and all the rest. But I've got to think that sometimes an orphan heart actually keeps those things from coming to us, don't you? That an orphan heart really tells people you're projecting that even before you meet them. And they're like, oh, what's so? I don't know. <laughs> Orphans are, well, this guy, I don't know if I can trust this orphan spirit. This orphan spirit might just be out to take me for everything he can. That's the way orphans act in business a lot of times. You'll say something and they'll attack you like a ravenous dog. Oh, gosh, woo! need to see me for deliverance after the meeting, dude. <laughs> I'm really making light of it. I don't, I don't mean to. Guys, we're, we know a lot of you pretty well, and we know that there are a lot of stories where earthly fathers have treated you in such a way that it's just horrible. It's absolutely horrible, some of the things that have happened to us. Out of woundedness, Lord knows what they went through. Lord knows how they were raised or you know, what their sufferings were along the way. But I guarantee you this, hurt people hurt other people. And those, we have to be willing to lay that down. Let the Lord pick that up. We have to lay that down in order to forgive. The forgiveness is the the segue to freedom for ourselves. 
And if we continue to hang on to that bitter root, it's not going to be good. It's not going to release us into the calling and destiny that the Lord wants for us. If you're holding, you know, that, even though you're totally justified, you are justified. Hey, I am not here to say pretend like it didn't happen. I think truth is the first place you have to go. My father did this, and that was wrong. If you're not sure if it was wrong, ask someone. Ask me. Ask another pastor. Ask somebody that you trust, another father. Was this wrong? Start at the truth. And from that truth, you can begin to build your life the way the Father says. How is the Father? How should we recognize Him? What's He like? How does He deal with these situations? The Word of God is filled with descriptions of our Father. He is love. He's Abba. It's hard to say Abba, isn't it, sometimes? When I first started saying Abba, or I would hear someone in church say Papa, or call God Daddy. Oh, there's just something. I'm not, a, I mean, I'm ashamed of that. But I literally, to think about it, it's, it's God. <laughs> you can't call him Daddy, Papa, Father. And I would even hear full grown men say, like, I'm crawling up in his lap and stuff. I'm like, Just went a little too far with that. Pray for me. Did you know there's no lack in your father's house? Anyone that's preaching a poverty mentality is not finishing the story that it's not all about the worldly wealth. I read that a couple of weeks ago to you guys. You're... Men, your, your worth is not about how much you amass on this earth. Let me say that again. Your worth, men, is not about how much you amass on this earth. But I'm also uh, not saying to you, if you amass anything on this earth, you're worthless. I am not preaching a, po a poverty mentality. The Lord said there is no lack in his house. So let's have that but let's have more than that. Let's have the greater thing that that's trying to show us a picture of. Let's have him. He never leaves you. Well, my earthly father, he left. Well, I understand that. Some of them passed away. Some have gone to war. Some, there are all kinds of reasons why your father may have left. He may have been demanded to leave. But I will tell you this. Your father never leaves you. And I want to challenge you to come to look around a little bit. Your father is a good provider. Your father in heaven, is, he has put people in your life that are trustworthy. People around you that if you would tuck under them like a son or a daughter, they will follow you. They will. It's people that get to the people that are, that are free themselves. They want nothing more than to father you. Tuck under, look around, find fathers around you if you don't have a, a natural father. And I want to make a stand for stepfathers. I watch it day in and day out where stepfathers step in and they are your father. They've done everything that they can. They've poured it out, I mean, day and night. 
Well, he's not my real dad. I watched Forrest Gump one time, and his mother was pretty smart, and she said, stupid is as stupid does. I think good father is as good father does. Okay, can we just have a hand for stepfathers? And it's another Sunday, but it, I wish it wasn't because I'd say the same for stepmothers. I watch them pour out tirelessly every day of their lives, and many of them get no reward whatsoever. That I want to thank you. If that's all I can give you today, that's your reward. I want to thank both of you, stepmothers and stepfathers, where you filled in and you saw the opportunity and you watched a beautiful story like Yaku and his son this morning. You see that? The man preached a better message than I ever will this morning when his son kissed him and, ha and handed him those M&Ms. We can learn from this. The father gives us love as a free gift. The father counsels, which means correction sometimes. So orphans don't run, put on a new mantle, become sons, and stay in the correction because it won't last long if we'll endure it. And he'll never give you, according to his word, more than you can handle. He helps. He sacrifices. And above all, it's like the beautiful wedding song uh, that we heard yesterday. He's the king of all the universe. He came up with it all, did it all. He is it all. But he knows you. It's hard to imagine a God that's so much greater than our earthly fathers. And see, most of us tend to, when we say, say father, we look at our fathers or examples of fathers around us, and we, because he's God, we put him just a little higher than them. But it's, it's really a lot bigger than that. Our fathers didn't dream the universe and speak it into existence. Our fathers can't be omnipotent omnipresent, and know every detail of your life. Our fathers didn't knit us in our mother's womb. The father is a good father. That's what we need to know. Guys, we're going to spend eternity with our father, and it'd be a good idea to get to know him right now. You know, eternity doesn't begin when we die. So how do we do it? Well, we have to achieve intimacy. Men, get over it. I mean, get over it. We have to get to a place where we can sit before God and be comfortable. For me, as I shared, it's worship. I can get before the Lord in a, in a setting like this, and I'm, you have no idea how grateful I am for these worship teams and those who help me to enter into that rest. Uh, when I come here. I'm so thankful for you guys. It's amazing. The beautiful music and worship that's coming out of this house. And uh, so, can we honor them, please? How do we do it? Dreams. Had one last night. Sometimes I don't like God's dreams. But he's always calling me up higher. It's like, God, I'm running as hard as I can. And he goes, take the easy path. You can take the easy path. But if you take this path, 
He said, if you take the easy path, it could have been greater. He just told me that. I'm like, I thought I was doing good, you know. But he's not talking about, he was telling me a business thing is what he was doing. I told my wife this morning, I'm like, oh. But he'll give me what I need, won't he? Prayer. We're a house of prayer, which means nothing but we're a house of connecting God to the people he cares the most about. That's it. What is prayer? It's talking to God. We're a house of talking to God. He said we should pray without ceasing. He gives us a way to do that. In other words, our mind is on him throughout every decision, throughout every day. Are you achieving it? You know, I'm not fully. I know that. But we're on a path there. And so I want to encourage you, you know, no matter where you are, it's like, dude, you don't understand. I'm up at 5 o'clock. I'm laying tile by 6. I understand that. But while you're laying that tile, you can be talking to God. You can be mindful of God. You can be thankful to God. You can be thankful for the person next to you, can't you? Dreams, visions. What are visions? Impressions, visions. Some of you have open visions. I, I haven't experienced that yet, but I want it. Some of the you know, most powerful, radical people I know, it's because they had a personal experience where God opened up heaven and showed them a screen, and there it was. It was like, oh, wow, God's real. I knew that yesterday, but now I've seen it with my own eyes. Nature for me. Every so often, I need to go turkey hunting. When I get in nature, I get out there, and I'm out there with the animals. Sam and I, uh, my son and I, love to hunt together. We, we spend lots of time uh, together in the woods. But when we get up, we'll get out there, even 4.30, 5 o'clock sometimes in the morning, and we'll listen to the world wake up. If you've never done that, I want you to do it to, you know, tomorrow. It's, uh, <laughs> it's amazing, you know. Here you are, and you wonder who's going to go first, but it's that one mockingbird that opens, and then one over here, and then somebody else sings. And before long, there's this beautiful orchestra that's just ushering me into the presence of God. Nature's a wonderful place to see God, the intricacy of everything he made and did in nature. Works and miracles. I've never seen the kind of miracles I'm going to see this Wednesday, you know, for the next week. We're going to Honduras, but I know that they're happening there. Uh, I've seen miracles here. I've seen all kinds of really cool things. But I've never seen anyone. I've seen someone that some could say was raised from the dead, okay. But I've never seen anybody, like, in a coffin for 90 days and then stands up and... In other words, there are miracles happening that I haven't seen. And I know that um, the, a lot of the people that have been to Honduras have seen these things, and not just Honduras, places all over the world. And I want to see those. And I want to see them with my son and my wife and others that we care about, our team. But that's one way you can um, maintain intimacy with the Lord is to go and be where he is and see what he's doing and get in on it. And... Um, Really, the best place, though, I think of all, to see the Lord is sitting right next to you. It's in people. The Lord told us the first and second commandment were the most important. What were they? Love God and love one another. It's a paraphrase of that. The person next to you is carrying the Holy Spirit 
God on earth, the closest place you can get him is right there. And we need each other. We need to be, we need to take the time to say, how are you, and wait for the answer. Right? The Holy Spirit lives in the person next to you. Well, my goal today was to encourage you fathers to live a life with God. Not just from your head, not just with your hand, from the heart. He is God of the heart, and he wants yours today. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you come and lead us? Lord, I pray that every heart today would be impacted through this message, and every heart would become alive to you they could believe the good stuff. Lord, I pray that every heart, every father in this house would become a a beacon, a a shining example of what to be and bring those children up where they'd be amazing fathers of their own. Lord, would you protect the family? As the enemy is warring against our families, would you come and chase him out of the streets? That he has no authority to wreck our families that we don't give him. So, Lord, would you crush his works and would you raise up godly fathers to overcome him in this day? Holy Spirit, I pray that you would guide us into all things of seeing God and being intimate with our Father, that we could get over whatever picture we've been shown of what a father would be that's anything unlike the Word, that the only picture that we would have of Father is the one that you describe in the book that you gave us. The one that you describe as loving and involved and he never leaves. And he loves us when we're hitting the ball right and when we're not. No matter what, we don't have to perform for him. He just already loves us. He's never going to be mean to us. He's never going to abuse us. He's always going to be interested in what's going on. When he's there, he's there, and he's there all the time. He's there emotionally. He's the one that saves us, and he's the one that desires an intimate relationship with us. Would you do that for us, Lord? Would you bring us into intimacy with you when we can't and help us? Amen. I want to ask... um, we put some worship music on, just something sweet, and um, I just want to uh, really open up the, the altar this morning to you. If, if you've been wounded by a father, not unusual, just want you to, um, I want you to come and get prayer. If there's something that I, that I spoke about today that, that kind of tugged on your heart, let's make sure that when we leave that we're completely free and that we're, um, we're ready to embrace the intimacy with the Father. Uh, could I ask the prayer team to please come up? And we'd have people across the front here to pray with you. Yeah, just come. If you haven't asked um, Jesus into your heart, to be your Lord and Savior, I pray you'd also come up 
and just pray with one of these and we'll lead you through a simple prayer that would change your life today. It'll never be the same. Or if you're not sure if you were to pass today that you'd go to heaven, I don't care what age you are, I want you to come up here and pray. I don't want one person to leave here that's unsure of your salvation today. Let me speak a blessing over you. Lord, we thank you for these. Lord, we pray that you'd remove every hindrance to total intimacy with you today. Would you heal the brokenhearted, Lord? Would you take up their cause through your protection? Would you find fathers for them, Lord, to give them a heart to forgive? Lord, would you lead them and light their path to you? Lord, we thank you for the fathers in this house. Help us, Lord, to become all that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.